This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today we have Dan Murray Serter with us. He's the co-founder at Heights, and he is the host of one of UK's top business podcasts, Secret Leaders. Dan, how's it going? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me, Quinn. It's a pleasure having you here, Dan. And I want to start by asking you about your podcast. Uh, you were number one business podcast in the UK at one point. Uh, and are you still number one? Has it changed? Uh, we're not currently number one, but that is also because we're in between seasons. So uh, the way that we decided to set up the podcast was uh, not that strategic. You know, we just kind of went for it and thought we'd see what happened. And it was a few years ago, but we just ended up recording 15 episodes and seeing how that goes. And we got to about 25,000 downloads by the end of the first series. So we were like, that's actually pretty good social proof. Let's do another one. And just by that logic, it had been a few months, we'd waited a bit and uh, we planned to do another 15. And so that's kind of how we've done it. Like every series we've done just 15 episodes. And um, there's a benefit to that, which is um, you can be much more selective with your quality of guests. You know, you have the less is more strategy. There's really two kinds of strategies is what I've learned after the fact in podcasting. One is consistency. So that is always putting out content one or two episodes a week and just going for it. Um, and that's a very successful strategy for a lot of people. And then the other one is kind of what we do, which is a bit more scarcity, which is, you know, a select number of episodes per series and then release them more strategically. Um, and that's been really beneficial. And, you know, we've had really awesome people. Usually at the start and the end of the series, we have a big guest. So we'll have like, you know, the founder of Slack or the founder of ClassPass or the founder yeah. of, you know, Calm or Babylon or Uber. We've had some massive guests, you know, and that, you know, they're usually episode one or the last episode. And then in between, we've got lots of other brilliant guests, but like we usually put the very PRable ones right at the start or right at the end. Um, that's usually why we get uh, a lot of awareness uh, which helps to drive us to the number one spot at the start of the series and we tend to stay there throughout um but then obviously after 15 weeks we don't put out anything for another four five six months so oh, it's wow. very fair that it drops wow so four or five months of nothing all right and you which started is, which this is actually crazy so that's actually crazy i i agree but what's interesting is that now we've got almost 100 episodes so now over the years like there's a good back catalog so now we're starting to you know spend some more time thinking about how do we market the back episodes and stuff whereas when it was just one or two series you know you get through that content quite quickly as a as a listener and you're kind of done i mean that's problematic Whereas now for a listener that comes in on a new episode, like they've got like a treasure trove for content. If they like that, they've got a treasure trove of really interesting guests for the other ones as well. Good. So it's almost like a sound only Netflix series. So you, you can yeah, exactly. binge, binge listen it and then go to the next. All right. Exactly. And you started the, the podcasting. It's just almost five years old, your show. How did you get started with it? Yeah, um, to be honest with you, a friend of mine, I was already doing interviews with, so my last company, Gravel, um, was quite successful over here in Europe. And um, so I was I was lucky because we had uh, really great investors, like well-recognized investors and entrepreneurs that were backing us at the time. And, you know, I would go for a drink with them and they would give me all of these lessons and insights about the amazing stuff they did. So then I was kind of like, hey, like, this would be awesome if you would share it, like, in an audience, right? I I'm happy, like, to interview you in front of, like, 30 or 40 other entrepreneurs and we can just, like, give, give away free tickets. But I think it'd be really interesting. And they said yes. Um, 
I mean, I did a few of them and I was like, you know, these stories are so good and so valuable to people. If you're willing to be that vulnerable and honest about your journey, it will help people. Um, so would you be interested in doing that as a podcast? But I didn't know how to do anything in podcasting. And like, you know, five years ago, it just wasn't where it is now. Um, so, you know, you could start up really easily and, and get going, but not quite as easily as today. And um, I was lucky because I had a friend, Rich, who is my uh, producer and co-founder on the show. Um, who had just started a podcast and just figured out how to do it. And he'd done like a couple of episodes and I'd listened to them and I was like, dude, these are kind of crap. Like <laughs> they're not very interesting. Um, but I have like super interesting friends and a really great network. Um, and I'm like, want to hone my, my skills in interviewing anyway. And you like producing podcasts. So this seems like a perfect match, right? I've got the content and the network and you've got like the technical know-how. Why don't we just team up and do that? And he was like, yeah. I mean, he was only two episodes in, right? So me being like, your content's kind of crap. He was like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> um, so we were lucky. So literally we, we just put out, just started doing it, right? And I think that's always the best lesson for any entrepreneur, which is there is never a good time to start anything. So you kind of just got to do it. And if you do it with, with low ego as well, you get to go into it and say, is this working? Is this not? How can I improve it? Or is it worth improving? Um, and for us, you know, we always said the same thing, which is let's just do 15 because we will enjoy it and we think it will be fun and we're doing that for us. Um, and at the end, let's assess and let's not look at the numbers until the end, which is also quite unconventional. We were like, let's not look at how it's going until episode 15 and then let's just see what's, what's happened in one go. So that's quite fun. Wow. So it's, it's so hard at the beginning not to look at the stats, not right. to look at, like, to find out, is anybody really listening or am I just wasting my time? And, and, to be honest, and to be honest, at the beginning, you wouldn't have many stats, right? So you said of you course. had 20, 25,000. That's actually impressive. For, yes, but it was a different time. Yes, true. So five years ago, it was a lot easier to get 25,000 listeners to your podcast than now, for sure. Um, a lot less listeners of podcasts, but if you are a listener of a podcast, you're more likely to find us than, than finding one now. It's just harder. Um, yeah. Plus, you know, we were niche and like, it's all about like finding your niche, right? As in at the time that was like, um, we're going to find business leaders of well-known brands, but not well-known business leaders. So in Europe, these are like all of our interviewees are, um, famous brand owners, um, as in they're famous brands over here, but they're not famous people. So they're not like your Richard Branson's or people like that who you've heard the story a million times and you kind of know what he's about and all this stuff. It's like, actually, I've heard of that brand a million times, but I never figured out who it is that's running it. That would be really interesting to listen to. And that was the idea behind Secret Leaders. So, you know, it was quite like a niche pinpoint um, concept behind, you know, how to pick our guests. And now as it's grown, you know, it, it's gone a little bit outside that remit because like I said, obviously, you know, we do have a lot of, very well-known brand founders but you know where we can we always try and get the you know the interesting like lesser known ones so slack is a great example everyone's very familiar with stuart butterfield but his equal shareholder and co-founder um is a guy called cal henderson who's the cto and, you know slack is a tech product and he's actually he's english so funnily enough he was actually a listener of the show um and he got in contact and was like i'd love to be on the show he's actually been on twice now um but you know he came and interviewed with us a week before their idea so, you know, he came and interviewed with us in our studio and a week later, they're worth $18 billion. It's like wow. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Dan, there's something I got to ask you. Is it true your dad told 
Cambridge University to piss off. <laughs> yeah, I get that one a lot, and it's a hundred percent true. Um, my so the backstory to that is um, well, actually, you wouldn't know this, but in, in the UK right now, there's a massive scandal with A level results. So A level is is what we basically do to get into university here, and um, okay. in the UK, the system is there's something called UCAS, and basically you apply um, based on your grades. And then you can apply to all the universities in the country based on your predicted grades. Obviously, because of the coronavirus this year, no one got to take their exams. And so they had some computer algorithm predict people's grades. And loads of kids have not gotten the grades via predictions and not been getting into the universities they wanted because of an algorithm, which is obviously a total PR disaster. And now the government is backtracking. It's crazy. Anyway, in my year, very strangely, um, there was basically a mess up with my grades. And my teachers predicted me uh, three Bs, even though I'd previously got four As. So they literally made a mistake. And so what happened was I didn't get into any of the universities that I was applying for. I got rejected by all of them. Um, but in the UK, the only universities that don't go through that system are Oxford and Cambridge. So you have to pick whether you'd like to go to Oxford or Cambridge. And then you have to do the whole separate entry exam system outside of the rest of the exam system as well. So you can pick your Bristol and Manchester and all this UCL, whatever. Um, but if you want Oxford and Cambridge, you've got to do it all again and just with them. Um, yeah. And so because of that, I got rejected from all other universities, but I got into Cambridge um, because they don't look at UCAS. They don't care what your predicted grades are. You have to do your own exams. And so it was a very odd thing because it's very odd to only get into the best school in the country, but nothing else, but rejected, not just nothing else, but rejected from everywhere else. Um, and because of that, we didn't know this at the time, right? We didn't know that's why I'd been rejected. So it was April Fool's Day and Cambridge University called up my house to tell my parents, because it's all very personal. This is how Cambridge works. You apply to a college, they have a dean. It's very Harry Potter. It's exactly how you imagine it. Um, <laughs> And they, um, yeah, the, the dean called up my parents to tell them that I got accepted. And because I'd been rejected from everywhere else, my dad thought it was his brother playing a joke on him because April Fool's Day is a very unfortunate day to have this good news yes. and told him to piss off and put the phone down on him. Very <laughs> fortunately, he called back and spoke to my mother. Um, but it was hilarious and always, always something that my mum brings up every so often, especially on April Fool's. <laughs> yes, you never know. Well, um, right, Ali. So, uh, what is since you started business, any type of business, what is the best thing that has happened to you? Um, I think that's a great question. The best thing that's happened to me in business has um, probably been failing. Um, so. My last business, Gravel, was uh, very popular. It grew relatively quickly. I mean, it grew slowly at first. After a year, it had like no growth whatsoever. But then mm. a year later, it basically went viral um, over here. It became the number one um, shopping app in Europe. Um, it was a fashion shopping app. It was nicknamed the Tinder of fashion, just to give you like an idea of how sort of um, you know viral it was. And um, it was a really great journey. Over four years, we raised millions of pounds and we grew a team really fast and I learned a lot. Um, but in the end, the business model was not sustainable and we knew that. And we had a couple of offers to buy the company and they got rejected by investors because we were actually quite open to it. Um, and the thing is, just going through that experience, you just learn a lot. Um, you know, I was 26, 27 at the time of doing it. And so 
you know, the benefit of learning 10, 15 years worth of lessons over three or four years is an amazing opportunity for anyone who's, who's, I mean, at any stage of your life, I don't really think it's about your age, but I think if you can pack in lots of lessons over a short period of time, that's a really meaningful period of your life to look back on. Um, because, you know, you can eke out those lessons over 10 or 15 years, or you can learn them in two or three. Um, yeah. And so the benefit of that is, you know, I've had the benefit of starting a new company with a lot of insight that I think my normal career trajectory would have probably seen me, you know, if I was to consider entrepreneurship, because I was in advertising before. So if I was to consider entrepreneurship, I might be mid 30s, early 40s before I was interested in trying it. You know, statistically, that's when all the successful founders actually exist outside of your fucking Evans, Spiegel and Mark Zuckerbergs. Um, the reality is almost all of the successful entrepreneurs start in their 40s. Um, and I think I would have gone through that. And I think, you know, there's a very good chance that that'll be me as well, right? There's a very good chance I won't be, you know, materially really successful till I'm 40. And well, why is that? Because I need to accumulate a lot of lessons and learning first. Um, so I think fast forwarding a lot of those opportunities in my life has been really meaningful. And like I say, you know, it's helped me when starting up again to really think thoughtfully about the decisions we're making, the people we're hiring, um, understanding that, you know, even small decisions have a big knock-on effect later down the line, you know, all sorts of things like that. Well, that, that is very powerful. And tell me something, that app is completely gone now? Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. So we had two apps in the company. We had Popcorn and Gravel. Um, Popcorn was quite well known um, internationally, whereas Gravel was only in the UK. So Popcorn was a movie trailers app and people could download and watch movies on there. Um, and it went pretty viral. Um, and that was really, really fun as well. We had loads of hilarious stories um, of that, you know, going viral in Saudi Arabia and going viral in Sweden and being like, what the fuck is even going on? Like, don't, not even trying to do that. Um, didn't even have any social media accounts for it. And it was just getting millions of downloads, being featured by Apple all the time. It was just one of those like quite funny success stories. But sadly, um, both of them just have very complicated business models, right? Um, this is the problem with a lot of digital products. Um, it's a like total it's a it's really a total race to the bottom in terms of who can offer the best like yeah. leverage or arbitrage on margin um and with that you need extreme growth and it's all very stressful for people and you know um consumers are not sorry i say stressful for people stressful for the team um consumers are not really willing to pay for digital products so often um, and if they are, they need to be really niche, right? Um, you know, people will always pay for like a niche, you know, coaching con like accelerator, consultant, or yeah. whatever that stuff might be that you see on Facebook all the time. If you feel like you're learning personal development, etc. sure, people part money with that. Um, but, you know, one of my really good friends is the founder of Calm, because again, like the Calm founders are both English, so I've known them for a long time. Um, and, you know, Michael is, you know, a billion dollar well two-time unicorn founder now actually his last company was unicorn as well wow. um and like they even struggled to make car like make people pay for calm um you know that's a massive massive product that is doing good in the world it's adding loads of value it's like five dollars a month or something and still is that that, pay for it. is that that meditation app yeah oh yeah, wow i have exactly. it <laughs> i have that yeah too. <laughs> it's great it's great, but just a lot of people, you know, this is a really, it's a great example of just how hard it is to get people to pay for digital products. So um, I think 
you know, the biggest lesson that I ever learned in business is the most obvious one, which is no business model, no business. Hmm. So, um, you know, it's hard to like extrapolate too much from these sort of unique and individual insights, but ultimately if you don't start with where the margin is in your business and how you're going to be able to live off it and then hire people, so, 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 so hard. I mean, I want to see things outside of the valley um, and even inside the valley now, people are starting to be quite skeptical about those types of businesses as well. Um, but, you know, the days of being able to just build a Pinterest or just build a Twitter, you know, it's much harder now. People really like, you know, not just going to throw tens of millions of dollars at you necessarily just to support that model. You've got to really figure out where your money's going to come from. Exactly. Yeah, I believe so. Tell me something, Dan. What is Heights? Well, I'm glad you asked, other than the fantastic T-shirt that I'm wearing. Um, <laughs> so Heights is my company. I started it with my best friend and co-founder, Joel. And uh, it is a brain health and mental wellness company. So the vision that we have for the company is to build the number one consumer brand for all things brain health and mental wellness and mental performance. So what that means is um, focusing on not just the nutrition side, which I think is like the most overlooked and important area of mental health and mental well-being, which we can come on to. So covering the nutrition side, but also information. So creating really meaningful content that's accessible and informative and helpful and freely available to people, but all scientific and science-backed to, you know, a range of, um, you know, uh, books and conferences and you know I have this whole wonderful vision much like my friend Michael that I mentioned earlier from Calm like his end game vision is to have Calm Island you know he has this idea that there's going to build like one day build an island um, and I think it's really important to have like some idea of you know what does the number one consumer brand around this topic look like what kind of products and services do they sell and what, what do I buy into and why do I buy into them um, and for us the way that we've started this journey is through nutrition. So we've created one product, which is here. It's called our Smart Supplement. Um, it is a super, super uh, potent and powerful. I just, um, I'm opening my wife's here just to show you a capsule. Um, but these capsules, which obviously you won't be able to hear on audio, but you'll see it's a capsule floating inside the oil. Wow. Um, so it is a, a patented capsule design that essentially slow releases the nutrients into your gut. And two of these a day gives you all of your um, and like plant-based omega-3s, vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, all your B vitamins, blueberry extract, a very powerful antioxidant. So we basically work with a world-leading neuroscientist to design from the ground up. What are the things your brain needs? What are the natural nutrients your brain needs according to science? to bring you above your baseline and into your heights. So this is really like an everyday like replacement for a multivitamin essentially. But you know, there's a very big popular category at the moment called nootropics. This is not necessarily a nootropic because a nootropic is considered a smart drug. It's all about quick fixes, et cetera. Whereas yeah. sadly there are no quick fixes on the road to uh, you know mental well-being anyway, any more than you can go for one run and be physically fit. Um, it's a process and it takes commitment, but according to science, your brain is an organ and it needs certain nutrients to thrive and you should get them from your food. And we say to everyone, don't take our product, have a better diet. And here are all the recipes and here are all the things that you can do to, to do that at home. And we make that super clear and accessible in our weekly newsletter, on our website, everything. Super important. Um, a supplement is a supplement and it's a nice to have. 
However, it is quite difficult to get all the nutrients that your brain needs. You need to eat quite a lot and you need to really put your brain first in everything that you're eating. And the second best thing to do is not to ignore it. So we focus super hard on the science and create a product that is not only unique looking, but unique in its function and, as you've seen, unique in its bottle design. So we work with a very famous agency called Pentagram, um, to who you know also the agency that made the you know the iPod and the Kindle and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but to make our bottle design because we wanted to create something that uh, was not only really sustainable um, and environmentally friendly, but can fit through the letterbox with 60 capsules. So like most pills, we found that most, most pills and products that people have come in the same box, same round tub, yep. basically. And then what happens is most people keep them in a, in a supplement cupboard. And when you keep something out of sight, it's out of mind. And if it's out of mind, you forget about the habit that you've already promised yourself to do. So by creating something completely new that stood out and stands out for our customers, um, that encourages them to put it on their bedside table or as I am now in my living room, um, and have it out front of front of uh, mind and in my eyesight, which means you remember the habit, which means you get into a habit, which means you do it every day, which means you are looking after your brain's health every day. So we really try and combine, you know, some of the things we learned building a mobile product at Gravel, right? Like what are design principles? How do you bring customer design and UX principles into things like customer experience of taking vitamins? And so, again, very lucky to have had years of, of understanding customer development in, in a different and adjacent industry and then applying it to a new industry that I don't really know anything about. So by working with uh, expert dietitians and nutritionists and neuroscientists, you know, we get to figure out what the formula is and then actually how we package it together to create a really a meaningful customer experience is the bit that really excites us. And th- this is just so fantastic because this is something that I personally I love as as an entrepreneur, and I think most entrepreneurs are always trying to improve their performance. And one of the main thing I believe is focus, the lack of focus and concentration. So I do everything that I can to try to improve myself. And for example, three years ago, I decided to go plant-based and I've been plant-based for three years. And one of the hard things is that we know that normally brain foods are fats. Yeah. And most fats that you find are animal fats, and that goes against what I'm trying to do. So you mentioned that this is plant-based. Is, Correct. Is right? And in, yeah, and in fact, funny, um, funny timing, like as you were as we were speaking, I've got the editor for a publication called Plant-Based News, which is the biggest plant-based website in the world. Um, and they're actually doing um, a uh, they've literally just featured us on their website. He was just messaging me right now. So funny timing. But also, um, my journey into into the space started with me being plant-based too. So I went from being a carnivore all my life to about five years ago, four or five years ago, switching to um, being plant-based as well. And actually what happened to me was after six, no, after a year, sorry, um, I basically got insomnia and really, really bad anxiety. And I didn't put two and two together, by the way, at all. And actually, I'm someone who who does things like I check my bloods quite regularly. I'm quite good at my personal wellness because my father passed away a few years ago from illness. So, you know, I'm very conscious of my wellness. And so if I make a big decision like plant-based, you know, for me, I decided to go plant-based because of um, environmental reasons. That's my choice. Um, and, and, you know, animal reasons. If I move over here, so I've got a big fluffy cat lying there and yeah. there's... There's another one somewhere 
um, around here. So anyway, I decided it wasn't really for me anymore to eat meat. However, um, I never really realized the nutritional impact of that. I wasn't thinking about it properly. Not enough people told me. People did say B12. And and so I was taking B12. Um, but that was it. No one really knew anything else. And so I ended up getting insomnia and really bad anxiety. And I was like so bad for six months, basically. And I tried all different things to cure it. Um, therapy, sleep therapy, meditation, more exercise, alcohol, no alcohol, coffee, no coffee, like you name a thing. And I was doing it. Nothing worked. And basically, um, about five months in, I went to see a dietitian and very simply was told by her, it's probably your diet. Um, I see loads of vegans, especially new ones that come in and complain about all sorts of mental health problems. Um, Really simply, your brain is an organ. It's made of 60% fat. 90% of that fat is the compound DHA. DHA is very hard to get from plant food. You basically only get it in like flaxseed and and um, an algae, which is where our our omega three sourced. And then she was like, "But how often are you going around eating algae?" And I'm like, "Well, not that often, to be honest." Um, and, uh, and and that's the case with most of us, right? It's, you go from eating lots of fish to not eating it, and suddenly you're not getting the fats that you need, the healthy fats. So she made it really simple for me and was like, "I just recommend you take these three supplements, um, super high quality ones. These are the ones I recommend." take DHA omega-3 blueberry extract and a B vitamin complex and then see how that goes and within two weeks I was sleeping like a baby my anxiety had gone away I was super surprised by it I started to really geek out on the science about it I was like how is this so obvious and the truth of the matter is there's loads and loads of scientific papers about exactly this um not just about how those ingredients are really good for our mental health and they help our performance and if you're having a mental health problem it's often a deficiency and can be solved like that um but also the other side, which is that, you know, a plant-based diet creates nutritional deficiencies. No problem. I wasn't doing it for my health personally. I was doing it because of my beliefs. I can stick to my beliefs if I supplement. No problem. No harm done. Um, and I think it's really interesting because getting into the, the vegan community, so to speak, and I always say plant-based, not vegan, because vegans is like the extreme version of the same thing to me. Exactly. Um, but the vegans, you know, are very offended by this stuff, right? The suggestion that you can't get everything from plants. And it's like, well, maybe you could one, once upon a time, but now you can't. And your mental health is not something to dick around with. So if it's totally possible to be plant-based without being really pious and stubborn, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, if you want to look after your, your mental well-being, then take it seriously. And like the one thing does not have to uh, compromise the other. So for us, like creating a really high quality product that was plant based from the start was really, really like paramount importance. Um, and then everything that stems from there is great too, right? Because if you create a plant based product, you're instantly thinking about the environment anyway. Realistically, by by default, you care more about that stuff in your decisions. And so you know we're a B corporation. Um, you know, we think a lot about our supply chain. We think a lot about, you know, even the weight of our products, where our, like, where our, you know, outer packaging is sourced from. So our outer packaging is completely biodegradable. You can compost it. You know, all sorts of things that like created lots of different decision frameworks for us that have helped us be a more and more sustainable brand. And I think it's very difficult to tell people in 2020 that you're a brand that cares about brain health and mental wellness when a lot of people's anxiety and mental health. Uh, comes down to considerations about the planet we live in. So then how can you buy and support a company that doesn't seem to care about those things and those values as well? That's not really supporting that person's mental well-being. 
So, you know, these things are all sort of like logically form that, that kind of standard uh, of a consideration framework. So, so many things about your product, all the uniqueness of the product, make it like it's basically I do, I do something similar. I create products, but they're private label products. Although their private label means it's something that already existed, but I try to create something unique about it just so it's easier for me to compete. So your product, almost everything about it is unique. Did it, did it, did it fly off the shelves right away or you're selling online? Yeah. So we are, we're a direct consumer. Um, so everything has been online and the, uh, truth of the matter is we launched in January and it's been really, it's, it's been a strange time to launch, right? As in we're very lucky because, because we launched in January and not March for starters. <laughs> um, so that's good. Um, but the truth of the matter is um, we've actually, we've actually managed. I, the right way of expressing this is, is less of a supply and demand thing and more of a trying to figure out how our manufacturing supply chain is going to work during COVID, right? First, as entrepreneurs, we had to figure out how a supply chain works in the first place, having never done a physical product before. Um, Suddenly, COVID comes in two months into you selling and suddenly you've got to really think about the timelines, how, you know, it takes six months to reorder products and everything else. So we've actually had to stagger, sadly, um, some of the demand that we've had on our products. So the simple answer to you, because it's a, a subscription, so it's a monthly subscription that comes through your letterbox, and uh, we've had to prioritize existing customers that are maintaining getting their, custom, their product next month, yeah. so to speak, and stop new customers from being able to purchase and putting them on the waiting list, which is you know, created this sort of imaginary concept of scarcity, but that, that concept is, is actually pretty real based mm-hmm. on coronavirus and what we've been able to do. So we're very, very lucky because we've got so many amazing customers. I mean, one of our like, pre-launch strategies was to create a newsletter um, on brain health and mental wellness for all from science. So a three-minute read on mental performance that goes out every Sunday from basically a science story. Um, but like a full spectrum. So like this one, for example, that I've just written that's going out this Sunday is all on our mental health relationship with food. Um, you know, and discussing like, you know, this, what, like the science behind that and why, why that exists and why some of us, you know, feel guilty about eating a snack and but all very punchy, right? A three minute read. So it's very snappy. And if you want to read more of the science, we link off to the articles. Um, and that, that strategy led us to having super high profile customers. So, you know, we've got very famous um, entrepreneurs over here, unicorn founders, um, you know, celebrities, uh, authors, all sorts that are, you know, readers of the newsletter and then found out about the product first. And then, you know, we're inbound emailing us, you know, can I get a special invite to get it early and all this stuff. So we were very, very, very lucky. So by the time we uh, were made available to the public, you know, we've, we actually have sold out consistently and until literally what is it september now so literally until the end of july the end of july was the first time we ever started doing any advertising um everything else has just been word of mouth in our newsletter until then wow impressive you know as you were speaking and you you showed the bottle and then the pill that has a pill inside that's floating that is just so and i guess you said it is trademarked that process it's so fantastic that i was here thinking like okay i want this and yeah. then on top of it, it's plant-based. And from what I saw on your site, you it has mm. 19, is that it, yep. 19? 
fatty acids? Uh, no, 19, uh, 19 of the fats and minerals that your brain and body need and all in the most bioavailable forms with no caking agents or synthetic fillers. So this is also very important because um, when we were doing our research on the supplement industry, we didn't really know this at the time that we do now. Basically, a lot of it is a sham. So a lot of it has um, really like chalk and even some products have cyanide, which sounds a bit ridiculous, but it's true, um, just to fill up a product. So it turns out if you take a pill, for example, um, you know, using vitamin D is a great example because everyone is recommended to take vitamin D anyway during coronavirus. Um, so vitamin D is, is, is like the daily amount of vitamin D is tiny, um, as in the way that that ingredient works is if I showed you it on your hand, you'd barely see it. So to put it into a capsule of just vitamin D, you've got to pack that up with stuff that makes lots of sense. Mm. Um, but the reality is taking a vitamin D pill alone is you're taking 1% vitamin D, 99% filler. Not the end of the world, but the point being, and the, the, the flip side, for example, if you take magnesium, magnesium is so big that you can't fit it inside a, um, a multivitamin. So multivitamins that say that they've got magnesium in it are basically pulling the wool over your eyes because they're putting in the minimum amount that they're legally allowed to say that they've got it in but not the amount that actually does anything in your body. And this is another thing that we learned that's super interesting, sadly, about the vitamin industry, is there is a difference between the minimum amount that you can put in to make a marketing claim and the amount, according to science, that has an impact on your body. So just to give you one example of where that is real, in Seven Seas, which is the number one best-selling brand in the world for Omega-3 oil, their daily dose of their product and their product's about $15 for a bottle or something um, or te- like 10 $15 is not expensive but it is when you find this out every single dose is 45 milligrams of omega-3 and the daily dose the scientific daily dose as a minimum to have an impact on your body is 250 milligrams wow. so if you think about it you need to take seven as you need. And they have to put that on their bottle and it's on their bottle, but it's in such small print, you barely see it. So they put in a claim with an asterisk and on the back, you as the customer, it's your job to read that and to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cheeky. And so we do the exact opposite, which is we think that that's bullshit. We think that's unfair. And we think if you can't pack in the scientific amount into your product, you shouldn't market it, which is why... We don't have magnesium in our product because magnesium is an awesome product and magnesium is um, something that I think a lot of people should take. Uh, However, like I say, you should be taking about two full capsules of magnesium if you're supplementing it. So you can't pack that into a product like ours. It doesn't work that way. Um, So all of the ingredients inside heights are in their scientific um, daily amounts and that actually make an impact on your body. And that's one of the reasons why I think our customers actually, you know, over a one, two, three month period, we always say it's three month period before you'll actually feel your baseline lifting because that is literally what science says. Um, but within that timeline, customers actually say that they notice a difference and become sticky long-time customers. And that's really what you want if you're in our space, right? You don't want to be spending money acquiring lots of customers for a month. You want to be acquiring customers on a meaningful promise that are going to buy into the process, that this is going to take me three months or so, but it's for my mental well-being. So we created a quarterly a quarterly subscription as well, so people could do that. Um, and you want them committing because they feel like it's worth their time and because it, the, your brand speaks to them, you're doing good for them, 
and they're playing into everything that you stand for and most importantly what you stand against you know what i like what you said about what the the marketing thing the marketing side of things versus what the body actually needs or the minimum amount that that's going to do anything and i already knew that because i do have some supplements and i can see the marketing of competitors and what they do and what people believe it is it's so incredible that people people don't like reading right i think it, it looks like we're getting to a more lazy society that if you put that asterisk in the front, people are lazy to go and read what actually it says in the back. And one of the proof of this is that I had a, a product that I was selling on Amazon that it was not, then it was not vitamin C, but it contained vitamin C, right? So it's a skin product, but if you, had, if you add vitamin C, it's easier to absorb through the skin. Uh, so it was not vitamin C, but when COVID happened, all the vitamin C ran out on Amazon mm. and people started buying my skincare product because it now ranked, right? The algorithm ranked it for vitamin yeah. C because the, the others ran out. And I mean, the sales increased through the roof because it contained vitamin C. And, uh, of course, then I start getting reviews and people saying, well, this is not vitamin C. So it's not. Of course it's not. <laughs> Silly. Uh, but it's, um, man, it's, it's so easy now that any of those marketers, if they want to use what the minimum law requirements, like you said, they can actually market something differently. Just sad. sad but true, huh? Yeah, very sad. So... One of the most important things right now is where can I find and get my subscription and everybody listening of, of Heights? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. You can go to yourheights.com and one day we'll be big enough to just buy heights.com. But in the meantime, yourheights.com so we can help you reach your heights. Um, and you can follow us on social at yourheights on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Yourheights.com. All right. I got it. I'm going to add this to the show notes so everybody can check it out. And we do and we do sell internationally as well, of course. Okay. So anywhere, almost, any, almost anywhere. Yeah, pretty much world. everywhere. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you available on platforms like Amazon, Walmart, or anything like that? At the moment, we just do direct-to-consumer. And the main reason for that is, uh, well, there's two reasons. One is um, our packaging. So we're very, like we say, environmentally conscious and we like to keep our compostable packaging, et cetera, which is quite complicated when you go into places like Amazon and they just want to send everything in boxes. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of that is the way that we actually position this is, is brain food in your, uh, through your letterbox and your inbox. And so by capturing your email address, what we actually do is we send you uh, scientific tips on mental well-being throughout your journey. We send you a brain health survey so you can take our test and actually get a score at the start of your month and at the end of your month, see how you've improved um, by making little lifestyle choice, uh, lifestyle improvements that we're sending you throughout the month in very, very short little emails. So for us, like the whole thing is a process. It's an investment in your mental well-being and seeing like your score go up, even though it's self-administered, seeing how it goes up is like a meaningful endeavor and important to you. Um, but also like us being able to communicate with you as a customer about something as important as your mental well-being and your brain's health is so important to us. We don't really like to outsource that to anyone else. Fantastic. So you're going to have my email there soon. 
because I have your page open and uh, I'm going to subscribe here. Because Amazing. That is, that's one customer. I love it. Any, any percent of, percentage of increase I can get to my brain power, it is definitely going to help me. So, Fantastic. Thank you so much, Quinn. And thank you. It's a pleasure having you here. And of course, we're going to stay in touch. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And cheers to all of your listeners. Thank you. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.